Okay, so today we are wrapping up our series where we've been kind of hanging out the last three weeks, and it's been a series on, on boundaries. And what I'd like to do today is I'd actually like to wrap this whole thing up by just being super practical this morning and uh, looking at how do you set boundaries in, in specific areas of, of your life. And uh, what, is that, what does it look like to do that? So this morning is actually going to be more teaching than preaching, and I don't know if you're a note taker, but I would encourage you to take notes. It's just so good to help you remember and to help what, what is being taught up here sink in. I had a conversation with one of my kids this week just about the value of taking notes in school. You can either just sit there and hope that some of it catches, or you can be listening and then have that pause moment where you write it down. I don't know, it just sticks a little bit more when you're taking notes. But um, we're going to be this morning just looking at some practical ways that you can take uh, or set boundaries in, in, in your life. But before we do that, let me give you a quick recap of where we've been. Uh, boundaries, so just like there's physical boundaries, walls, borders, gates, all that kind of stuff, property, um, there are also boundaries of the heart and soul. Boundaries that all of us need to have between ourselves and other people. And unlike physical boundaries, sometimes the boundaries of the heart and soul are a little bit more difficult to detect. And, uh, but they work in a very similar way in that they are a limit or a space between you and the other person. A clear space where you begin and the other person ends. And what boundaries do is they help you know what you are responsible for and what you're not responsible for. Boundaries also help you keep the good out and, and the, 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 or the bad out and the good in. And... Uh, you know, without boundaries, you have little control over your life. Without boundaries, you have little sense of identity. You have uh, a difficult time living out your purpose. And without boundaries, actually, in the end, you're going to be a frustrated, angry, exhausted, burnt-out person. Because in life, this is how it works when it comes to boundaries. If you're not setting boundaries in your life, someone else is. Somebody else is. And there's a lot of areas in life where boundaries come into play that we can't possibly cover all them today. So instead of what we're going to do is we're going to touch on just three relationships where boundaries most commonly get broken down. Three relationships. The relationship between a husband and a wife, the relationship between a parent and a child, and the relationship between two friends. And so what we're going to do over the next 15 to 20 minutes is we're going to look at some guidelines from God's Word on setting good boundaries in each of these three relationships. And uh, the first one that we're going to look at is the relationship between a husband and a wife. And for all of you that aren't married in the room, first thing you're going to be thinking in your head is, okay, I'm just going to zone out for the next five, ten minutes. But I'd encourage you to, to tune in because when it comes to these guidelines we're going to be talking about, a lot of them, most of them actually have overlap between these different relationships in our, our lives. So a guideline in one area doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't apply to uh, another area. And so, the first area we're going to look at, though, is the relationship between a husband and a wife. And a marriage might just be one of the most difficult relationships to know where boundaries begin and where they, where they end. Um, after all, Jesus put it like this. He said that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and what? The two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh flesh. One flesh. Two people, the Bible says, now one. Where are the boundaries 
in that. You know, boundaries are, are usually talk about a, a limits and space, and, and, but Jesus said, no, in this marriage relationship, all of a sudden you're going to be, it's two, one flesh, and, and how do you figure out boundaries there? Well, when setting boundaries in a marriage, there's a few guidelines that I think would be, would be helpful um, to remember. One of them is this. You're one flesh, but two unique persons. One flesh, but two unique persons. There's this incredible intimacy and oneness that happens when you covenant with a person for the rest of your life. It's, it's a oneness that happens emotionally, uh, it happens spiritually, it happens physically, but at the same time, you're still each very much unique individuals that have your own distinct personalities, your own distinct responsibilities, roles, all that kind of stuff. Um, most of the time when, when I officiate weddings, there always comes that moment in the wedding where uh, the couple wants to do some sort of unity symbol in, 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 as part of the ceremony. And there's some object, object they have that represents them becoming one. Um, during Becky and I's wedding ceremony, we had a, we had a, a symbol. What we did is actually we had this, uh, I've got some Native American blood, and so we used a Native American vase that has like, it's one vase that has two spouts, and we both drank out of that together at the same time, just symbolizing the union between us. Um, but back in the day, it was almost always a candle, right? In fact, a lot of you probably, when you got married, you had a unity candle. And, and back in the day, and this, when I talk back in the day, this is, this is back when I first started officiating weddings, it was very common for the ceremony to look like this. You would have some kind of table set up. You would have three candles, one, two, three. The two outside candles would both be lit. The, the middle candle would not be lit. And at some point, you'd have you'd have uh, a song playing in the background, something like From This Moment or whatever wedding song you have out there. And they would, the, the bride would take this candle and the groom would take this candle and they would both light the candle in the middle, symbolizing they're now one, and then they would both blow out their own, looking like they, their individual person had been snuffed out forever. <laughs> and at some point, though, um, in society, we, we started to just realize, hey, this is not really ac an accurate picture of what happens when you get married. And you're, you're still, even though you're becoming one, you're still two very unique, uh, individual, distinct people. And so it, it actually kind of shifted a little bit. And uh, one, of the, one of the symbols that people have, uh, uh, maybe more commonly now, is unity sand. Have seen this? Unity sand? And so how unity sand works is you have Three, three little vases or vials, whatever you call it, I guess vases, and you would have uh, each person would take their, this, this sand would be maybe white sand, and this sand over here would be gray sand, and you would, you would pour it in together, and so it's becoming one, but there's two distinct colors in that middle jar. Does anybody here have a unity sand jar from your marriage, wedding? No? Oh, okay. It's very cool. I think it's a sweet thing. So if you get married one day, just a little idea for your ceremony. Um, come, even though you're, you're, you're still uh, distinct people, you're, you're one, you're still distinct. And there, there's a, a place where you begin and your spouse ends. It is okay to tell your spouse you need some space. It's okay to have different needs around your rest and your play. It's okay to have different roles and different responsibilities. It is okay in your marriage to set boundaries. But at the same time, you're one, and setting too rigid of boundaries around your individuality will also cause problems. 
I've never heard of where it's worked. I know people that have tried this, where the husband and the wife have two completely different bank accounts. They just run their finances completely separate. I've never heard where that's worked. Maybe you have. Maybe you do that. You've figured out a way. But it's difficult. I even know people, uh, nobody in here, but I, I know of people where their individuality, they're so into their individuality where the husband and wife literally live in different countries and come together maybe a couple times a year. You know, that's kind of taking that boundary to the extreme. There, there has to be compromise. There has to be give and take because you're one, but you're also two unique people. And really the key in figuring all this stuff out is communication. You have to figure out who's going to do the finances. You have to figure out who's going to cook the dinners. You have to figure out what are your duties, what are their duties, how are you going to do this together, what's, what's mine, what's yours, what's ours, all those different kinds of conversations. Um, you're, but you're one flesh, but you're still two distinct individuals. So that's, that's a guideline to keep in mind when it comes to setting boundaries within your marriage. Another guideline um, if, if you're married is this. Don't confuse boundaries with walls. One of the worst mistakes that we make when it comes to boundaries is that we confuse them with walls. And like I said, this isn't just a, a, a marriage issue. This, this happens everywhere. Where, where maybe you're going through something difficult, and you're like, no, nah, I don't, I don't, we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to put that to the side. And, you know, I got other stuff that I'm doing. I'm going to put a boundary up here on this one. That's not a boundary. That's, that's a wall. Or your spouse maybe is trying to have a tough conversation with you, and you're going, no, I don't, and that's, let's not talk about that, and let's put that, that's, that's, that's for another time, and maybe it's even got to the place where they're going, yeah, we need to get some counseling, we need to get some help on this, and you just like put the boundary up, you're going, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go there, that, that's actually not a boundary, that, that is, a, that's a wall, you've shut the door, and at the end of the day, it keeps you from experiencing intimacy and companionship in the relationship that you have with your spouse. The Bible has this great verse on intimacy and companionship in 1 John. It says this. It says, if we are living in the light, so you're taking whatever it is, there's several different ways to take this, this verse, but one of the ways to take it is if, if you've got stuff in your life and you, you're bringing that into the light, you're not keeping stuff buried in the dark, you're not keeping those tough conversations that need to happen buried in the dark, you're not keeping what, what's going on inside, you're not keeping that in the dark, you're keeping it in, you're bringing it to the light. You're having conversations, you're talking. The Bible says if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And there's something very powerful about taking whatever it is that's going on inside of you and bringing that, that out into the light. Especially with the, the person that, that you're married to. Bringing that out into the light, into the open. It is healing. It brings a deeper connection. It brings deeper fellowship, as the Bible talks about here. It brings greater intimacy. Taking that stuff that's, that's, that's in the dark and bringing it into the light and talking about it. Walls in a marriage are unhealthy. They just are. If you want a strong marriage, learn the difference between a boundary that has to do with responsibilities and personalities. Learn the difference between a boundary and a wall, which is simply built to keep somebody out. Walls are not good. Another guideline to, ha to, to have when setting boundaries in a marriage is this. Know that you can't change your spouse, but you can give them appropriate consequences to a better path. <laughs> I got that last line from author Henry Cloud. 
give credit where credit is due. Give them appropriate consequences to a better path. What do you mean by that, Rich? Well, here's how this looks. You can either get mad at your spouse when they're rude and when they raise their voice, or you can let them know that the next time that they do that, that you're going to walk out of the room and you're not going to take it anymore, giving them appropriate consequences to a better path. That's, that's, that's setting boundaries. Bad boundaries just to, like, take it and yell and scream, all that kind of stuff. Or, or, or you, you can keep trying to implore them over and over and over and over again to listen to you because their excessive drinking is ruining the family. Or you can tell them that the next time they come home drunk, you're going to spend the night along with the kids at a friend's house or a family member's house instead. You see the difference here? You can't change them, but, but you can give some appropriate consequences to a better path. And, and what's happening here is you're not taking responsibility on yourself to change your spouse. You're letting them take responsibility, and, and you're giving them appropriate consequences to a better path. And I know there's a lot of needs—this is an area that has— has to have wisdom and maybe counsel and, and knowing where, where is the best place to put that boundary up and help establish better consequences to a better path. But you can't change them. You can't change them. Um, Cloud and Townsend in their book on boundaries, they say, take power over what you have power over yourself and give up trying to control and have power over somebody else. And the reason it's so important to let go of trying to change your spouse is that it's a job you were never meant to do. In fact, it's a job that you can't do. What did Jesus say when it comes to, to bad actions and bad behavior, not stuff that we want to change? He said this in Mark chapter 7. He said, For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness, all these vile things come from within. They are what defile you, he says. Where, where does it all come from? It comes from, your, it comes from your heart. And who's the only person who can change the heart? God. God is the only person who can do that, not you. And, and parents, the same goes for your kids. Sure, you might be able, as a parent, you might be able to change some behavior. You might be able to come along and say, okay, uh, if you keep doing this, this is going to be the consequence. Da, 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 da. And you can, you can put all that stuff in place, and, and rightfully so, but you got to realize that the thing that you, we all as parents really want to see change in our, in our kids is not the behavior. What we really want to see change in our kids is what the heart. And here's, here's the thing that parents so often forget, or maybe don't even know, is that you can't change the heart. Only God can change the heart. Only God. And knowing this, what it does is it keeps us humble. It keeps us on our knees in prayer. It keeps us going to Jesus on behalf of our spouse, on behalf of our kids, on behalf of our friends, whoever it might be. It keeps us going to God. And, and, and it also takes this huge pressure off of ourselves. Because when you, you have this idea in your head that you can change your spouse's heart, or that you can Somehow, if you just do things or say the right things, you can change your child's heart. And that is, that's a huge burden on your shoulders. 
But when you go, God, you're, you're actually the only one who can do, do the, the deeper change that really needs to happen here. It's like, it's, it's like Matthew 11. It's like you're coming to Jesus and you're laying that burden at his feet. And you're letting him take it. Um, Celebrate Recovery has this prayer that, that's so good. It goes right along with this. And, and, and a lot of you have heard this prayer. It's called the Serenity Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So good. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Good boundaries. A good boundary is knowing that there's some things that you just cannot, you cannot change. Um, how about when it comes to setting boundaries when it comes to family relationships? How do we set good boundaries there? Um, and, and, I mean, you know this, but there's a lot of different guidelines that we, we could have this morning, but I'm just going to give you a couple here. Uh, so here's a guideline when it comes to, to setting good boundaries when it comes to family relationships. Um, know, know that the levels of responsibility vary depending on the season. The levels of responsibility when it comes to your family vary depending on, on the season that you're in. And we talked a little bit about this last week, how when you're, you're a baby, you have no responsibilities, but as you grow up, you, you have more and more responsibilities. You need to tie your shoes. You need to pack your lunch. You need to, when you become a teenager, you need to get a job, all these kinds of things. Um, but then the responsibility changes even more. And it's interesting how in life, you know, there comes a time in life, uh, Becky and I are just slowly starting to get to this, get to this stage where our parents— are now retired and they're they're getting older and all of a sudden the the whole season changes and we have a bit of responsibility as their kids to come in and, and just help and 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 where, where we can and we're trying to figure out all the different you know what is our responsibility and what's not if you've got any wisdom there we would love to hear it but every season has its own level of responsibility, and, and we get into trouble with boundaries when we don't recognize the different levels at different seasons, when we don't see this. For example, a 12-year-old coming to dad and mom and saying, hey, dad and mom, we need to talk. I'm laying down some boundaries here. You're no longer going to tell me when to go to bed. You're no longer going to tell me when I should do my schoolwork or when I'm not supposed to do my schoolwork. You've been bossy, you've been too strict, and after listening to Rich's series on boundaries, it is time to establish some boundaries here, dad and mom. You see how that kind of goes against the season that you're in? That's not how it works. Um, scripture actually makes it really clear that children are under the authority of their parents until they become adults. Uh, Ephesians 6.1, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Proverbs 22.6, direct your children onto the, the right path. When they're older, they will not leave it. Parents are responsible for their children, but then when they become adults, they're not entirely responsible, or not responsible at all, really, for the decisions that, that their, their kids make. Their responsibility, or responsible to get a job, their responsibility, or when your kids become adults, they're responsible to make changes in their lives. They're responsible at that point to be, become better people, to follow Jesus, to contribute to society, all that kind of stuff. They are responsible when they become adults. One of the strangest, uh, saddest, emotion-filled feelings as a parent is that 
that moment when you kind of separate from your child and they become an adult for the like when it officially happens so for us I felt like with Tori it was when we dropped her off at Wazoo for her first year and we drove away for Taylor it was this last January when we dropped her off in, in Hawaii with YWAM and uh, when, when you do that there's all these emotions that are happening I mean it's just it's a complicated messy place in your soul when you when you first do that and I just remember both times having this overwhelming sense that my work here is done. My work is done. Everything has changed. They are now responsible. Now, of course, I'm still available for advice. I'm still available for counsel. Um, I'll help out where it makes sense. But they're now out from under the umbrella of, of my responsibility. They're no longer children. They are, they're now adults. And it's, it's a shift. But so many parents... They, wanna, they want things to always stay the same. They, we don't want them to become adults. We want them to always be just our children. And we don't realize that there's, there's a shift that takes place that has to take place because if it doesn't take place, it, it's, it's not good. It's not good in, in a lot of different ways. One of the conversations that, that I've had uh, in a, a good mentor of mine, he he, he helped me see how this was just a good conversation to have. But one of the, the conversations that I've had with both Tori and Taylor, and will eventually have with my other three kids, is taking them out for coffee and just sitting down with them and saying, hey, how would you like, I want to invite you into an adult-to-adult -adult relationship with me. I want to invite you into a shift, into a change in, in this relationship. Well, what does that mean? Well, well you, you see, for the last... 18, 19 years, you've had your dad in a little itty-bitty dad box. And there is a whole lot of me that you do not know, you have, you have no idea about, and, and I want to invite you to get to know me adult to adult. You know, uh, for starters, it's not about just you anymore. And so we're going to get together, and I want you to ask me questions. Dad, how are you doing? Dad, what are some of your fears? Dad, what's some pain that you've experienced in life? What are, what are your goals? Dad, what are some of the mistakes that you've made? Question me on stuff. Disagree with me on stuff. And you see what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help my kids make that shift. And, and it, it's this, it, this, this, this shift from this, this, this season of responsibility from I'm responsible to, to you're responsible. And it, and it's a good, healthy shift that needs to take, take place. Don't, don't make the mistake of trying to keep your kids in a season of life, and that, even that relationship in a season that naturally needs to shift to a different season. And I encourage you to, to, to make that shift. And if you haven't made that shift, maybe it's sitting down and just having a conversation with your adult children and saying, hey, I've been treating you like a kid. And, and, and I, I want to say I'm sorry. I, can we just begin having an adult-to-adult adult relationship? Just think about that for a second. How would it look for you if your, if your kid was not your kid? What would change in that relationship? And maybe that might give you some clues to how that relationship and some of the boundaries around the season of that just need to shift a little bit. Another guideline to have when it comes to, to family relationships is this. Where there's conflict, deal with it directly. Every family has conflict 
Um, maybe dad and mom are not honoring your boundaries. Maybe mom is always guilt-tripping you and is spending more time with you than, than you have. Maybe your parents are just being irresponsible. You know, maybe you are an adult child and your parents are being irresponsible. I've seen this happen and you've seen it happen. And you keep kind of crossing a boundary and you keep tr coming to their rescue over and over and over again when they just need to take responsibility for their own mistakes. There's conflict, though. And when there's conflict in our family, what's, what do we do? We, we, we tend to try to avoid it, don't we? We try to avoid it like, like the plague. Becky and I just met with uh, my cousin this last Friday. She lives down in Seattle, and she was up here for a little bit, and we had lunch together, and we just kind of had this real conversation about our, my family and how we just don't handle conflict very well. We just, we just prefer to, like, okay, if there's an issue, man, let's, just, let's just sweep that under, under the carpet and, and, and not, not deal with it. And we do this for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, it could be that, that the, that season of responsibility just hasn't shifted. It could be that we're afraid that if we confront an issue, if, there's, if, if we confront a, a conflict head-on, that it's going to cause some pain. Um, and I actually think this is probably one of the biggest reasons why we avoid conflict in our family is because if you think of all the people that we really don't want to hurt, family is, is at the top of that list. You'd rather not ruffle feathers. You'd rather not push back. You'd rather not possibly offend or hurt someone's feelings. And so you end up saying yes, where maybe you should have said no, and, and instead are passive. We avoid. We comply. We do as we do. And, and over the long haul, what can end up happening is you become resentful, bitter, distant, all those kinds of things when you don't address an issue directly. The Bible is very clear on how to avoid conflict says this, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out that, their fault just between the two of you. In, in Proverbs 27, 27, it says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Where there's conflict, deal with it directly. And then the last relationship that, that we're just going to touch on this morning when it comes to guidelines with boundaries is the relationship between two friends. How do you set good boundaries between two friends? And of course, some of these guidelines that we've already talked about, they apply to setting good boundaries with your friends. But I just want to give, give a couple here that, that I think are especially helpful when it comes to boundaries between friends. Um, first one is this. Um, know that saying no to your friend doesn't mean you don't care about them. Saying no doesn't mean you don't care about them. There are so many times where Jesus comes along and he says no. You know, there's that time that we talked about a few weeks ago where Peter comes to him, and Peter's got this great idea for Jesus' life, and he wants Jesus to avoid pain and suffering. He wants Jesus to become this king, and what does Jesus say? He says, no. Get behind me, Satan, is how, how he put it, very sternly. There, there was the time when, when Jesus' good friend, Lazarus, was really sick, and so Lazarus' sisters send some people to go get Jesus and have Jesus come to be with their family. And in that moment, Jesus says no. He actually stuck around for two more days, and Lazarus ended up passing away. And, and it, it was also that he could work this incredible miracle of bringing Lazarus back to life. But in that moment, he, he says no. And then there's all the times where people are just crowding in on him, and he goes, you know what? I need to, I'm just going to say no. i got to go get some space, some solitude. i got to have my soul refreshed. I, I, gotta, I gotta pull back. He, he says no. 
And when he does that, it doesn't mean that he doesn't care. And it's the same thing with us. When we say no, it doesn't, doesn't mean that we don't care. It's okay to set boundaries with your friends and occasionally say no. Maybe you have that friend who is always in, always a crisis on their hands, and you just feel like you need to be there, you need to listen, you need to go and what, whatever. It is okay to say no. Say, no, I, I can't. You don't even have to give a reason. Imagine that. It is okay, though, to say no. Or, or maybe you're dating your friend, and they're pressuring you to go further and further. And uh, if you're here, and you're, maybe you're a teenager, and you haven't gotten into that dating thing yet, there is going to be a pressure to go further and further and further to a place that, that God never intended you or designed you to go outside of a marriage relationship. And there's going to be some pressure there. And, and it is okay to put a firm boundary in that relationship and say, this is as far as we're going to go. And anything beyond that, you say, no, we're not going to do that. But what happens in that moment? You go, I don't want to seem like I don't care. I don't want to be the killjoy. I don't want to be the person that's, that's just being all whatever. So, so you, you let that boundary slip. But it is okay to say no. Words create boundaries. And they can either create strong boundaries or weak boundaries. If you're a dating couple, to say we shouldn't go too far, that's, that's a weak boundary. But to say we're not going to do that, 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 that's more of a strong boundary. The most basic word to learn when drawing a good line is a two-letter word, no. Great place to draw a line. Jesus taught us to let your let yes be yes and your no, no, he said, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And if you have a hard time saying no, it's, it's probably a sign that you have some poor boundaries in your life. If you have a hard time saying no, it is okay to say no. It doesn't mean that you don't care. And then, then the, the last guideline that we're going to look at when it comes to friends is this. There are people you want to let in your life, and there are people you want to keep out of your life. The Bible says this. It says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. And, and what's the boundary? Well, when it comes to people with, with, with bad character, you need to draw a line. You need to establish a boundary. And how do you do that? Simple. The Bible tells us right here. You draw the boundary by not associating with them. And you, you don't become their friends. You keep your distance. And I know that when you start talking this way in the church, some people are shocked to hear that it's, it is okay and even good to set that kind of a boundary with people. But it, in, in some cases, it, it has to happen. Even as we just read about here, it, there are some people that if you let them in your, your life, it, you will become ensnared. You might become ensnared with just maybe it's really bad thinking. Maybe they'll, they'll drag you down a, a bad path. You know, as parents, isn't this just what we're always trying to get our kids to see? We, we want them to see that there are good people for you to be hanging out with, and there are some people that just will not be good for you to be hanging out with. You know, what parent out there doesn't get a little bit nervous when you see your kids hanging out with people that you just know we're going to drag them down a, a bad, bad road? We know that the odds of our kids becoming like their friends are actually pretty, pretty high. And, and so you, you set these boundaries. There are some people that you just don't want to be spending a lot of time with. 
And, and maybe you're going, okay, what, how do I know who to draw the line with? How do I know the kind of people that I, I want to keep out of my life as opposed to the kind of people I want to have in my life? Where do I draw the line around this? And again, you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom because it's not, I just can't stand up here and say, here's the, the kind of people you want to be with. Here's the kind of people you don't want to hang out with. I mean, in some cases, it's obvi- there, there's some obvious cases. I mean, you don't want to be hanging out with murderers and, and uh, you know, people that are breaking the law all the time, obviously. But then there are some people that just takes a little bit more wisdom. But I would say when it comes to where you draw the line, you want to limit your time when it comes to what I would call toxic people. Toxic people. People are, who are going to be harmful to you. And, and harmful, maybe not in a quick way. How do, how, does, how do toxins work? It's usually a slow process of corrupting. And that's how it works a lot of times with toxic people, is that maybe at first you don't really notice the impact that they're having on you, but but eventually, over time, when you're hanging out with that person who maybe is always negative, always complaining, always bad-mouthing uh, maybe their parents, or they're always bad-mouthing their boss, whatever, you notice at first nothing, but then over time, you start to see, oh, wait a second, I'm, I'm all becoming more of a negative person. I'm always complaining. I'm always starting to see the bad in all this kind of stuff. I'm starting to do things that I would never have done prior to hanging out with this person. Another way that you know someone is toxic, it, toxic is whenever you're with them, they just leave you feeling emotionally drained, demotivated. It's always all about them. They're never asking you, how are you doing? Limit your time with these people, and in some cases, even just like put face between, between you. You don't want to be with these kind of people. There needs to be a boundary. The Bible says put up a boundary, have limits on the amount of time you spend together, have space have space between you. So what do you do when the boundary is broken? How do you repair it? Maybe you're, you're hearing some of these things this morning, and you're going, okay, yeah, I've broken it here, broken it here, broken it here. Yeah, we're just seven for seven on all these guidelines, broke them all. <laughs> I think if all of us were honest, we've broken them at different times in our lives. But what do you do when you broke a boundary, and you, you, you sense it, but you don't, you don't really know, how, how do you repair a boundary? Maybe it's in a marriage. Maybe it's in the relationship that you have with your parents. Maybe it's in the relationship you have with your, your kids or family member. Maybe it's in the relationship with, with your friend. Well, I want to go to um, some of the, the, the work that Henry Cloud and Pete Townsend have done on this. And they offer six questions to ask when you're repairing a broken down boundary. And we'll wrap up with this. First thing is this. Ask the question, what are the symptoms? Maybe the symptoms are obvious. You know, maybe it's with your kids, and you look around, and you're going, oh, the house is a mess. Uh, bedroom is a mess. Clothes are strewn everywhere. Dirty underwear hanging from the, the windows and the mirrors. Days-old food covered in mold and mildew sitting all over the place. Those are the symptoms. Those are symptoms. Well, what are the roots? Well, my kids are just not taking responsibility. They're just acting like of slobs. They're spending too much time doing this and that, not on this. Um, never pick up their mess. So that's the third, second question. What are the roots? Third question is, what is the boundary conflict? What is the boundary conflict? So over the last two weeks, we looked at some of the laws of setting boundaries. You are responsible is a law. 
and, and you look at this, you go, okay, that's a boundary conflict. They're responsible, but they're not doing it. I'm, I'm cleaning up all the mess for them. And, and so you come in, and you go, what is the boundary conflict? And then from there, you go, who needs to take ownership of this? Who's responsible to take ownership of this problem? Well, if it's one of your kids at home in this, this situation that I'm bringing up, there's probably two people responsible here. Ultimately, your kids are responsible to clean up their mess, um, but you're, you have some responsibility as their parent to come along and train them and to teach them on why it's important to clean up their mess. And you're responsible to, to help them see the consequences. Um, it gets maybe a little trickier when you're in a relationship with somebody and you're going, okay, what is, what, what's the, the root here? And then what is the conflict? And then who needs to take ownership of this? But you need to ask yourself that question. Who needs to take the ownership in this, this boundary that's been broken down in, in repairing it? Who needs to take the ownership? Fifth question, what do they need? What do they need? Do they need some clear expectations? So going back to the kids in the room situation, maybe your kids have never been told that it's their responsibility to clean up their room. There's no expectations there whatsoever. You've never painted the picture there. The wrong thing to do this afternoon would be to just to jump down their throat and go, you never clean up your room. Why do you never clean up your room? I'm always cleaning up your room. That's the wrong approach. The right approach would be to go, okay, here's the expectations. Lay them out, out nice and clear. And, and give me, that's because that's what they need. They need some clear expectations. Maybe it's a situation with a spouse or a family member, and there, there needs to be some kind of consequence there. The boundary has uh, been broken down. And then the last question is this. How do you set boundaries? How, how are you going to set that, that boundary? What does that need to look like? Is it a conversation that needs to happen? Is it is it, is it coming alongside of them and just helping them see what, what exactly do you need to do? And I don't know what the boundaries situation is in your life. Maybe you're great at setting boundaries in some areas, but then there's some areas over here where you're just not so good at setting boundaries. And I believe that we're having this series right now for a lot of different reasons, but I think God has you here this morning Throughout the series, because he, he wants to show you some areas in your life where you've let the boundaries fall down. And you haven't set them. And, and, and what God is, is leading you to do is maybe to set some boundaries in some of these areas where you haven't. Because at the end of the day, what he's after for you, what he's after for that person who maybe you need to set those boundaries with, is he wants them to know life. He wants you to know life. He wants you, you and that other person to know life to the full. And, and boundaries, good, healthy boundaries are all a part of that. So where has God been speaking to you? Where has God been speaking to you? And as we close this morning, I would love to pray that God gives you the clarity, that God gives you the wisdom, and that God gives you the courage to have maybe a conversation that could be a tough conversation to have, and to do that in a way that's full of grace and it's full of truth. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I just want to thank you for God, all the things, Lord, in this series, God, that we've seen on boundaries. And God, thank you for the way that you set boundaries and the way that you show us how to do that in your word. And God, so much of your word, God, is about relationship. In fact, we could probably even argue this morning that 
the whole thing is about relationships. Relationships between us and you, between us and others. And so, Lord, I would just want to ask and pray, God, here this morning, in this moment, that, Lord, the things that you've been showing us, God, uh, maybe here this morning, God, as we've been listening to this sermon, God, maybe it's something that you've spoken to us about the last few weeks. But Lord, you have been showing us very clearly where we need to establish good boundaries. Lord, help us, God, to have wisdom on what that needs to look like. God, some of these these things that you're speaking to to different people about, God, we we know there's something there that's not quite right, but we're not exactly sure what needs to change or even what's, what's off. Lord, I pray that in those situations that, God, you would give us wisdom. Holy Spirit, Lord, give us wisdom and understanding, discernment, all these things so that we can set the right boundary. And then God, also give us wisdom on the conversation that needs to happen. Lord, I know that there are, are God, there are husbands, there are wives that are, are listening that, that know there needs to be a boundary set. God, give them courage and grace and just overflowing with love, God, as they have that conversation. God, for the parents that are listening that need to establish some boundaries with their kids, and maybe they're seeing, God, that the the lack of boundaries that they thought was a good thing is actually not a good thing. Lord, help them, Lord, to know where to establish those boundaries and help them, God, to have the right words to say. And and I pray, God, that on the other side of that conversation, God, there'd be growth, there'd be flourishing, there'd be life and life to the full. And then, God, for those that... God, you've been convicting, God, when it comes to boundaries with friends. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you would help, help us, God, know what that needs to look like. God, where to say no, where to say yes. God, maybe one who is, is going, yeah, I have, I have some toxic people in my life, and I need to have a tough conversation, but I am freaked out. God, I pray that you would give them, God, just an incredible level of trust knowing that as they, as they head into that conversation, as they push through that fear that, that Jesus, your Holy Spirit in them, is going to give them the words to say, and you're going to be their help. Father, thank you so much for the way you love us. Thank you so much for the way you care for us. God, I pray that, that Lord, each of us, God, would leave this time together. Um, God, just going, going out into our week full of God, hunger for you and thirst for you. God, speak to us. God, draw us closer to yourself. God, help us to be a light wherever we're at at this week, in our workplaces, in our schools. God, help us to shine brightly for you, I pray. In your name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen.